Welcome to the Nerd Party. Want to be a part of the Nerd Party community? Don't forget to like our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash the nerd party and follow us on Twitter at join nerd party. You can also help us by leaving a rating and comment in Apple Podcasts to help spread time and space to other listeners. If you want to contact us, visit thenerdparty.com slash contact, click on our show logo, and leave a comment for us there. and Space, a Doctor Who podcast. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm her husband and co-host, Philip Gilfus. Well, it's a new month, which means... Christmas! Right. Um, and New Year's Eve. Yes. And... Um, Christmas! Boxing Day. Boxing Day. Right. I'm a big fan. St. Nicholas Day. Okay. Or the shoes. Okay. You leave out the shoes and they get filled with candy and such. I, I I have not bought enough candy to fill all your shoes. Stop buying new shoes. Really? We want to have the shoe discussion right now. <laughs> That's what you want to do? Don't make this a stereotype. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> I don't make it a stereotype. Your closet makes it a stereotype. <laughs> I disagree, but never mind. <clears throat> and I'm not counting the shoes of mine that you now have. Yeah. So Or the socks. Yes, well, I'll sock it to you here. Stop that, don't But yes, that. a new month means it's time to talk about a new doctor. It is. So the 12th month, the 12th night. The 12th doctor. doctor. Now, I want the 12th doctor and 12th night. Make that happen. Yeah. What, what role would he play? Ooh. I mean, he'd make a good Toby Belt. Okay. Really? Uh, yeah, I think he could do that one really nicely. I think it might be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, possibly a Malvolio. Right. I don't know if he... Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I know I'm sort of interested in the 12th Doctors. I I feel like he's very derivative, like, oh, it's the twins, you can always tell. Who do they think they're fooling? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) She's a girl! (laughs) No, that's the 11th Doctor, never mind. But yes, uh, we're going to be talking about the Twelfth Doctor. We're going to kick it off with Heaven Sent. Um, I don't have the episode number in front of me, but anyway, the uh, penultimate episode of the Doctor's second series. Third series? No, I can't remember. But anyway, but a certainly uh, unique episode. And then for our Inside the TARDIS library, we're going to talk some random... Uh, Audio book stuff. Potpourri. Potpourri. Big, you know, Jeopardy category of some big finish we listened to (laughs) over the holiday weekend, at least here in the American holiday. Okay. Um, So, kick us off with a little bit about Heaven Sent, darling. All right. As if the death of his best friend wasn't enough, the doctor's situation has only gotten worse. What initially started as an attempt to help clear someone of a false murder charge has evolved into something much worse. Now trapped in an old rusty castle in the middle of an ocean, the Time Lord is being stalked by a mysterious creature that only pauses when he gives up his deepest secrets. What does this thing want? And can the Doctor escape and find his way back home? And this first premiered 28th November 2015, almost four years ago, a little over four years ago. Yep. (coughs) Now that we're in December. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if you wanted to bring it up, but uh, we've been doing this podcast for two years. Is this our anniversary? Well, not this specific day, but we kicked off on the 27th of December in 2017. Oh, okay. And we we started off talking about the 12th Doctor and the Christmas special. Well, we would do, wouldn't we? Well, not the Christmas special. We talked about the previous two. Yeah. Um, The Doctor. Oh, shoot. 
But anyway, <laughs> his fighter pro- final proper episode. So anyway, but so we're talking about the Twelfth Doctor again in December. It's what we do around here. It seems fitting. So sure. So one reason I chose this episode, or certainly the main reason, was that this is, I suppose, you know, and I was reading some research, this isn't, I suppose, properly a one-hander. I mean, if you want to be technical about it, you know, you have a Clara, you have a little boy at the end. You have the the creature, you know. But for all intents, uh, it it is certainly uh, Peter Capaldi the whole time as far as dialogue. A lot of monologuing. Yes. And so... Um, what did you think about, just from an acting standpoint, about Peter Capaldi carrying an episode entirely by himself, mostly? I think he did a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, it works. Um, the thing with monologuing is finding the places where it doesn't drag. Mm-hmm. Where there's always a, a reason you're just talking to yourself. And, and I think, and now we're getting off into the writing a little bit, but... They do an excellent job of giving Capaldi the stimuli, right. I suppose, to justify all of this talking to himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and he pulls it off beautifully. Yes, I agree. I think. Um, and do you know much of Peter Capaldi outside of... I do not. Now, I'm going to get the name of it wrong. But anyway, the show he was in before being cast in Doctor Who... I want to say in the thick of it, but that might be... Anyway, but anyway, the political show that you don't like, yes. that I do. Um, it's not that I don't like it. Right. But anyway, that's sort of a, the only other thing I've seen him in properly. Um, which, I mean, I, you know, he's been in, obviously, he has a, a, a long career. Um, but that was sort of the only thing I knew him in. So, you know, when... Torchwood. Is that right? Well, that's true. You're right. You, no, you're right. You're right. That's true. I'm well in Doctor Who as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but not playing. Yes. That's true, yeah. In um, Children of Earth, I had to remember which one it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then we it's sort of very human role, which is also like um, in the the Doctor Who episode, the Tenth Doctor's episode, kind of yep. the volcano Pompeii, day. Yeah. Oh yeah, the fires of Pompeii. Yep. Um, a similar sort of you know very human father, you know. Um, but but yeah, but yeah, this this is sort of him at, at uh, doing the character well. What, and sort of meeting the doctor about, you know, Clara has just died, mm-hmm. previous to. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the doctor's mourning, if you will? Yeah, it's a very different... Obviously, we see um, the 11th doctor go through his grief mm-hmm. in terms of losing Amy and Rory. Right. So it's a very different kind of... Well, it's a very different kind of circumstance. Right. Uh, the 11th Doctor almost goes into this self-exile thing, mm-hmm. whereas the 12th... <laughs> is, is exiled is involuntarily. Forcibly <laughs> exiled, yeah. Um, and, you know, with death waiting, apparently. Yes, and and I think that's, you know, you see this determination to survive that we don't, you know, then fast-forwarding with the 11th Doctor, which we talked about um Last week, I guess, the week mm-hmm. before, um, the the eleventh Doctor's last episode, where he was fighting, but had resigned himself. Oh, because he'd gotten too old. He yeah, yeah. He was nothing more left up content, the sleeve. Content ultimately mm-hmm. to stay in Christmas and grow old and die. Right. Um, even though that meant the fighting. <clears throat> mm-hmm. He was still, that was something that he had resigned himself to. He was going to be the last watchman there. He was going to protect them as long as he could, but he had sort of resigned himself to it. Whereas in this case, we see the Doctor fighting over and over and over again to survive. Yeah, and I was trying to think, and I'm sure maybe it's obvious or maybe it's not, but I'm curious what, what you may think, um, what the metaphor for the creature in the, st- not necessarily in the story, but as a storytelling element, because you know the doctor sh- starts off with the story, um, and I'll mangle it of like you know, it's always waiting for you. You know, you can run, it walks. You sleep, it still walks. You know, you t- it's. And I don't know if it's you know death. I suppose which may be the obvious one. You know, no matter what you do, it's always going to come. But this sort of looping that you know, 
it's still the, the same pace, no matter whether you're running, and then it's still the same but pace. But then you've but then got you to, to rest. Yeah, the tortoise and the hare yeah. kind of suggestion, almost. And I mean, you go crazy with what metaphor it is. Is it, you know, is it the realization that Clara is dead? Is it the truth that the doctor is running from? The confet- You know, I don't know. Well, and I think that's where this episode gets a little muddy. Mm-hmm. Because you've got this creature that stops moving, stops going towards you when you give it a truth. Mm-hmm. But then, like, there's no end game with that concept. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, he's going to punch the whatever it is for mm-hmm. a little while, and then the creature's going to kill him. A little while? Well, no, (laughs) because he only gets like six or seven hits in before the creature kills him, and then he's got to do it again. Right. Um, And so, is this about perseverance? Mm -hmm. Or is this about truths? And I'm, or that's not clear. It's um, just as a callback to the beginning of this series. And I think I always forget how many series are of the 12th Doctor. Because I always think, I'm, I say, like, there's two and there's, like, three. Or, I can't remember. But anyway, at the beginning of this particular series, the opener, I can't remember the title. But it's the one with Missy and the Clara. And the Doctor is sort of missing. But he's given his confession dial to Missy. And so then we find out at the end of this episode, you know, spoiler alert, he's in a confession dial. Um, I don't know if it's timey-wimey that it was his or that we were just introduced to the concept. Um, so we would know what this is, you know, Stephen yeah. Moffat doing his, his timey-wimey story planting. Um, and so though it makes you wonder that the doctor's confession dial, what was in that and how that worked. But anyway, long story short, in this one that, yeah, so but yeah, what, what do they want is, I guess we're led to believe, and that sort of follows after this episode and to uh, hell bent, um, that the Rassilon or whoever, you know, is after the doctor's truth about the hybrid or something that, that sort of is very left field. But anyway, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And see, and again, then don't kill him. Mm-hmm. If you want this information, unless the purpose is kill him and know the that he's going him. to, well, know that he's going to bring himself back to life. And so you get another chance at the truth, perhaps. Um, so, so perhaps, you know, while he's punching at that ice wall mm-hmm. in perpetuity, the monster is constantly getting new truths out of him in perpetuity. And in some ways, don't think too deeply, right? Um, but isn't the, the, the monster getting the same truths though? Cause it's... I don't know. I mean, de- certainly lines are changed because when he looks at the stars, he's like, oh, uh-huh. these stars look like I've moved 7,000 years in the future, yeah. a billion years. In. So I don't know. That's not made clear at all. Because it's more, is it the intent or the content? Yeah. You know, if the, the doctor, because it's only presumably the one character, or you know what I mean, the, the, the same story. Um, with no knowledge of knowing it other than just figuring it out. And so, you know, when he's telling the truth, oh, I was scared, he's intending that that's the first truth he's given, even though he said he's scared 50 million times, billion times. And what did you think of the TARDIS mind palace? You know, whenever he jumps out a window or whether he's about to get attacked, he goes into the TARDIS mind palace. Oh, right, yeah. Which is, you know, Sherlock, Stephen Moffat. Yeah, hanging out with Clara. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yes. sorry. Um, but does it, do they call it a mind palace? It's the that Sherlock is... mind palace. Oh, okay. And it's the same. And I don't remember that oh, either. Yeah. We should go back and yeah, watch yeah. all of those. Uh-huh. Uh, Hot Priest is in them. I mean, I think it's a useful concept. I do like the sorry, precept. No, maybe that's the word I wanted instead of concept. And I don't know whether it's a director, but that, and, and it doesn't get annoying, but that he does the same action every time he walks in the TARDIS. I don't know if that's purposeful or just because he always flings the viewer every time he walks in and then flings the other viewer, you know, it's the same time every, you know, if you know, so it's like, okay, do something new maybe. But anyway, but uh, yeah, but anyway, as the concept though of his mind TARDIS. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, like I say, it's a useful precept for having Clara, the imaginary Clara, helping him figure it out. 
um, which again helps with the monologuing and, and things like that. When you don't have, the doctor usually has a companion he right. can bounce ideas off of. And so for all intents and purposes, Clara is still that companion, whether real or imagined. And he needs that to to work his way through this. And and even though I've seen this before, obviously, um, I'd forgotten that she was actually in it. Yeah. I thought it was just, I was like, I knew the stand-in or, you know, whoever. Um, but then when she showed up at the end, I was like, oh, I thought, okay. Because she's not credited in the opening credits. Um, it's just Peter Capaldi. Um, you know, letting you know he's going to carry this whole episode. But that was sort of an interesting at the end. Mm. Um, I like the chalkboard, which is quite a very 12th Doctor. Yep. Um, and a very Clara as right. a school teacher. That's true. You know, all of this Socratic method, it's all very teachery. And it calls back to the first, or the introduction of the 12th Doctor. You know, wrong question. You know, it's like uh, when when the dinosaur burst into flames. And like, what happened? He's like, wrong question. Has this happened before? You know? And they're like, actually, well. You know? <laughs> um, and so it, it is interesting, of course, as the Doctor, generally speaking, and as the Doctor, the 12th Doctor, both Clara-less and companion-less how he deals with that mm. you know is i mean getting way deep into this so we see him a little more scared than we usually see not that he's never never scared the 12th doctor or the doctor in general but you know can he does he pretend a little bit more when he has a companion mm. oh yeah definitely mm-hmm. i would have yeah without a doubt mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons i think he has a companion mm-hmm. is because then he's got to be the problem solver, mm-hmm. whereas when he's on his own, not so much. Right. All yeah. the all the ghosts. And I mean, and what do you think of the Doctor's determination? I mean, and this is character, you know, whatever. I mean, whether you, you do it from a directing standpoint to the actor, or in and of itself the story, what is driving the Doctor to? He, again, I would argue he's you know he's not literally doing it. For, well, he is literally doing it for a billion years, but. In his mind, he's just yeah. doing it once. Um, but you know, and also, yeah. is this a little bit like the Star Trek, not Star Trek, where the Irish guy lives his whole life in the prison? In the prison that's not real. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like this must be. I thought you were going to go Groundhog Day, but no, that one's also. Yeah, where no, where. But in Groundhog Day, he knows he's living it over and over again. Yeah. Whereas this one, he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. and so the suggestion that. A billion years have passed, mm-hmm. but have they? Right. Yeah. yeah or is this part of the mind right. castle? What'd you call it? Mind, mind castle? palace. Mind palace. Because that's what they call it in Sherlock. Yeah. So, no, I'm, I'm sticking with it. I'm, I'm comfortable with it now that I know what mm-hmm. the heck you're talking about. Which I think um, was uh, just an, was an interesting concept in Sherlock when they showed like that's how he you know retreats and you know. But then like, there's one po- episode where Watson's like, Sherlock, go to your mind palace. And I'm like, okay, that's a yeah. little, little much. But anyway. Don't you criticize Martin Freeman. <laughs> I have and I You will. back right <laughs> off. <laughs> I will fight you. Um, because, you know, this in the next episode, of course, we'll go into how much the doctor will, or how far the doctor will go for Clara. Yes. Yes. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Or is this just more about escape? Or is it a bunch of things? I, I mean, I think it's a bunch of things, obviously. But I think it's it gives us the opportunity. Because this isn't Clara-centric, particularly. No. You know, we know that he's grieving. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily feel like the driving force. Correct. Um, for all that's happening in the story. Um, it feels like potentially part of his grieving process with anger, mm-hmm. um, which will jump us into the next episode where he's very, very angry. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is about, in my mind, just this sheer determination I am not going down. Mm-hmm. I'm not going down with this ship. Mm-hmm. Clara is gone, 
but I am still fighting and still fighting and still fighting. And I think there was, I'm trying to remember, because this surprised me watching this episode, having, of course, seen the entire 12th Doctor run, and especially with Twice Upon a Time. Is that what it's called? Yes. I was like, isn't that also a Bond film? Anyway. um, But anyway, uh, the Christmas episode, because I'd forgotten this part had, and I'm trying to remember when it happens. It's not after he's killed, it's or after he's fried or whatever, (coughs) attacked. And I can't remember what part, the one where he's like, can I just give up? Or, I know. It was when he was hit the water, wasn't it? Because he, you know, I, I did love the TARDIS effect of, of showing the consciousness and the lights coming up and it being dark when the doctor's unconscious. But he's in the TARDIS. I think it's when he hits the water because there's two times where it goes dark in the TARDIS. But one of the times he's in the TARDIS just going, can I just stop? You know, can I just sleep? And it just calls forward back i don't know yeah. um to yeah. the the doctor on the battlefield and not wanting to regenerate can i just rest so it's interesting to see that from the 12th doctor who peter capaldi's the the one of the older uh oldest older doctors um but to play that it's very interesting to play the weary doctor mm. yeah but again time for it mm-hmm. uh, i think i think at this point Again, when you're tracing from the war doctor from the time war, mm-hmm. we're there. Right. You know, working through the stages of grief in reference to the time war and each doctor and how they're dealing with that grief. And, of course, by the time we get to Capaldi, we've already had the fifth, 50th. So yep. we, we get, but it's still world-weary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily... I just think it's the next step. Absolutely. Can I just rest and not do this anymore? I don't want to do this. I don't, I don't want to keep losing people. I don't want to keep making decisions that cause me to lose people. But at the same time, breaking through this ice hmm. is a very tangible defiance that also doesn't involve him making decisions that lose any people. And it's an interesting discussion with himself because the story, and presumably there were subtle changes throughout the different iterations. Because if you really think about it, like the first couple ones had to have done some stuff, like because we didn't see him painting the Clara painting, which presumably he did, or writing the I'm in 12, or, you know, all these, the shop, yeah. you know, some things we see him do repeat the clothes on the fire, blah, 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 the blah. Bur- bird, writing yeah, bird. bird. Yeah. But, you know, at some point, you know, he had to suss out some things before the pattern entrenched itself. Um, but that him telling the story of, yeah, just keep on doing this thing. This is a tangible thing that I can fight against that no, where nobody dies mm-hmm. except myself, and I don't know that. Which is fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that, even though it's mm-hmm. a, a um, but mundane's not the right word, mm-hmm. but repetitive task, that it, it is something that he can do mm-hmm. where he can make a difference and not kill anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, so you, I think there's some therapy in that as well. well there is. Uh, what would you think of the doctor's confessions? We only had a couple. So we had that he was afraid of dying. Right? I think I'm trying to remember specifically what he said, uh, which is understandable. Right? Yeah. Um, because I think there is sometimes the bigness of new who doctor. Well, I guess I should be more specific because I don't think 13 and 12 are necessarily like that. So nine to eleven, you sort of have this growing epicness of the Doctor, mm-hmm. who the the lonely god, if you will. Um, Where I think twelve and thirteen kind of lower the stakes is the wrong word because twelve sort of had some big times too, but kind of make them, humans the wrong word too, but make a little more grounded. I don't know is that a word, but basically you know that he you know is, is afraid to die, just like we've seen with the regular you know classic Doctors as well, who you know sometimes. Uh, Runaways, not the right way to say it, <laughs> but you know, aren't always the big slapping hero. I'm just going to run towards the fire. Sometimes they th- they think about it a couple times. Yeah. Um, but I guess the second confession, at least in my counting, is to me the more controversial one about he didn't really leave Gallifrey because he was bored. I just lied about it. I did it because I was afraid. Yeah, and and again, like we've talked about before, you know, you mm-hmm. talked about. Um, Moffat tying up 
lots of loose ends. Mm-hmm. But he's left some for other people to have a play with. And right. I think that's certainly one of them. You know, we don't know. We know that <clears throat> the TARDIS wanted to run away and, and chose the doctor. Right. Uh, but we don't know a whole lot of that history and, and that little mm-hmm. bit, that little tidbit, just chucking it out there and we'll leave that there and okay. If anybody wants to pick it up, they can. If not, we're just going to wonder about it forever and either one of those things is okay. It's sort of like, and, and it was a terrible analogy, but I'm going in for it anyway. Uh-oh. Tis the season. It's sort of like <laughs> young Jesus. We just get boy Jesus in the temple and Jesus in the ministry at 30 years old. Yep. Nothing about yeah, growing between, up. Between 12 and 30. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. Um, yeah. But as far as the doctor, I mean, Moffat <clears throat> and the 12th doctor do touch on young doctor with the grabbing the feet episode. When Clara ends up going back to Gallifrey mm-hmm. and young mm-hmm. doctor grabbing the young doctor, which you shouldn't do. Um, but anyway, but even that, what little we know, and then maybe um, uh, the tenth doctor saying about the little initiation they have to do with the looking into the yeah, oh yeah, with then, the master yeah, and then and he's like, I ran away. <laughs> That's what I did. Yeah, um, and the heartbeat. And, yeah, yeah. Um, but after that, we don't really know if the first doctor is the first doctor because again. We don't know. We don't know. We just have to assume things as they are. But if Bill Hartnell is the, is the first incarnation of the Doctor, you know, we don't know his real name. We don't know what his life was like. I mean, sometimes we've had some in the classic who, you know, he and the Master uh, were school buddies. I forget. They had a nickname for that. out of my mind for a second. But anyway. But other than that, still don't know much about his life that he led on Gallifrey, what he did. How he ended up with a granddaughter. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. We've got to go back to this again. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, I mean, I think perhaps Moffat's just leaving a little bit of mm-hmm. meh. And that's sort of the broader Doctor. But what do you think about the 12th Doctor, especially from how he reacts during this episode that may be different from other iterations? When you think about how the 11th Doctor would react or 13? Hmm, interesting. I don't know. I mean, I think they all would have punched the ice. <laughs> And I don't know, you know, I, I think about, if because it's not just about the Doctor, but it's also the circumstance. Mm-hmm. So if you put the 11th Doctor in this exile after he's just lost Amy and Rory, mm-hmm. um, when he clearly already thinks that he's the last iteration anyway, mm-hmm. how does that change this? Um, and when the 10th Doctor loses Rose, if you put him in this situation. I don't know. I don't know. Um. And the 13th Doctor won't lose anyone. I'm not sure I'd put money on that. Um. Everything will always be happy. Everything will be fine. It'll be be fine. fine, everyone. Yeah, I don't know. And so just, and because this would be a whole other episode, but just to, you know, we all... We both you and me I have our initial thoughts and then our broader thoughts about the twelfth doctor and the Capaldi run. So, you know, knowing your thoughts and my thoughts about the first series with Capaldi, seeing this episode, is it like, oh, well, it was worth it? Yeah, I I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't like Twelve and Clara. Right. I just don't. Um, Technically, it is twelve o'clock in this episode, but, but <laughs> no, very but vaguely. I mean, yes. I, I mean, in terms no, I know, I know. of building up to this point, right. when you're saying, "Is it worth it? Uh-huh. Do you, do we get that payoff?" Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not a hundred percent sure. The chemistry, and I don't mean romantically, no, no, but no, the general chemistry mm-hmm. never grabbed me. Um, even with the, you know two psychopaths and one TARDIS kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even think that was as fleshed out as it could have been. I just, it doesn't, no, mm-hmm. is going to be my answer. I like this episode a lot, mm-hmm. but is it a payoff that I was looking for? No. Mm-hmm. And I do enjoy um, the montage at the end, which of course you need, because it has the shepherd's boy music, um, which ends up being his... Uh, Final music, 
during his regeneration. Um, so that's why I always hear it, no matter in, mm. in which way. So, you know, you're just waiting for him to start making his uh, final speech there about being kind and all yeah. that. And so, so it was interesting. I think, you know, when you, when you think about the music, this is all Murray Gold. Yeah. When you think about all the music Murray Gold uses for the regeneration, um, for each of the doctors and where it comes from. Um, so with the 11th doctor, it's the, um, I can't remember the episode, but the one with the little girl who sang the yeah. song for the demon or whatever. Yeah, I know what you mean. And yeah. so that, you know, and which I actually had a little bit of spacing, whereas this one, you know, it's what a year or two out, but anyway. Um, and then the 10th doctor, when I mean, you have Valley Dacum, which is its own thing, but you do have the, um, music of the Ood. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so, and then the ninth doctor sort of had his, that was sort of his theme is the face of the music he went out on, which is, of course, that's quickie though. But yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. Now, any final thoughts about Heaven Sent as a sort of unique uh, Doctor Who episode? Very unique. And like I say, I really like the episode as an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the lead in we get because now he's on Gallifrey and he's pissed mm-hmm. off. And I like that. You just trapped him into a thing. And- yep. And killed his companion, or let his companion, or, you know, whatever. I do like how the, the framing, I mean, there's a couple of framings, but the framing that the Doctor gives to this episode is that when he realizes that this is an interrogation, and he sort of gets into it, <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay, well, this is fine then. And he's like, the best thing about an interrogation is you're you the gotta only... Keep me al- you got to keep me alive. Yeah, you're the only indispensable one in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, with that, let's go into the TARDIS library. When you close your eyes. I go to the library. Go to the library now. Well, for this portion, we uh, it's sort of going to be a potpourri, as I said, because it's sort of a collection of things. We listen to um, two portions of Big Finish Productions. We listen to the rest of the box set of the first War Doctor, uh-huh. Only the Monstrous. And we listen to one half. Um, of the Eighth Doctor episode, Big Finish episode, Seasons of Fear. And so the War Doctor box set was released December of 2015, which actually that's much further along than I thought it was. Oh. Um, and then the uh, Eighth Doctor Seasons of Fear was March of 2002. So um, the f- we listened to the first episode. I think we talked about the first episode of the War mm-hmm. Doctor box set a little bit ago. But we have two other ones. We It was the episode... The Thousand Worlds and The Heart of the Battle. Um, but I think for this box set, as compared to, say, the Captain Jack one or the River Song, I think this is sort of just one big episode. They also just yeah go into one another. I mean, I suppose they're technically individual episodes, but not really. You know, it's just yeah. sort of a, a pause. <laughs> you know, take your bathroom break and then come back for another hour. Um, yeah. So three acts, basically. So and you can either talk them individually or as a whole, but what do you think of The Thousand Worlds and The Heart of the Battle? Yeah, it was a little complicated mm-hmm. because I didn't necessarily get a good hold on everything. Mm-hmm. In particular, the Talayans. Mm-hmm. Is that the way you say it? Yeah, those, and those were the, yes. Yeah. They were the middle range. They were working with the Daleks. Right, they were the bad guys, the the, ter- the secondary bad guys. Yes. <laughs> And so I didn't necessarily understand that. I thought the idea of the the um, other Time Lord right. who was there, um, who was part of the cult. Ceratrix. Uh, Ceratrix, yes. Um, that was a really interesting ethical question. Yeah, It. yes. I mean, I agree. I, in some ways I felt it was a, a little too easy. I don't know. I mean, the broader concept, and they talk about it behind the scenes, of, and especially with the War Doctor, if you're really trying to play with the War Doctor being this rejection of being the Doctor, or whatever you want to, however you want to frame it, um, that, you know, there's less rules, <laughs> or he's breaking more rules. Definitely fewer yes. rules. Um, and so, and not, and it's just by the means. But anyway, to contrast him with Ceratrix, who is fighting for peace which is usually the Doctor, but not the War Doctor, because it's just in the name. But then to be like, but then he's negotiating with a Dalek, and we just all know how that's going to turn out. Yes. You know? I, yeah, I, I would agree with that 100%. It does simplify. You know, Sarah Tricks is like, we, we need to negotiate. 
We need to find a way to cease this war. That is the most important thing. And the war doctor's like, well, you can't reason with Daleks. And all of us are going, true. And then the doctor's like, I'll, you know, I'll show you, uh, or John Smith, I suppose, as he wants to be called. John Smith is sort of like, uh, you know, I'll show you. I'll show you. What if I show you it? Then when do you believe it? And then he shows him. And what a surprise. Yeah. You know, and you yeah. know, it's so... I guess if you're going to use the Daleks, I don't know. It would. It might have been interesting to have Ceratrix trying to work with the Talaeans. Maybe that would have made more sense because maybe there's hope, or maybe yeah, just seems a little so. It seems a little stock character that are, you know, the bad guys are bad, the good guys are good. I mean, the Time Lords are always middle of the road, time and lords. they're totally middle of the road yes. here because <laughs> they're they're using everybody for their own. Yeah, the Cardinal, what's her face? But yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, it's an interesting ethical dilemma that was too easy here. Yeah. Um, And too easy on the side that none of us really want to believe in terms of, nope, these just happen to be people you can't negotiate or beings that you can't negotiate with. Let's move on after we destroy them. And that's not the world any of us want to live in, is it? (laughs) And I mean, I suppose if you want to do the... I mean, I'm sound like I'm above it all when I say this. If you want to do the obvious metaphor, but I mean, you know, if Daleks are always supposed to be Nazis, I don't know if they're always supposed to be Nazis, but that's where they come from. And so you have, you know, Ceratrix as mm. Chamberlain, you know, and appeasement, and but they, even then, because there's the appeasement metaphor or analogy, I don't know, um, that. We'll give them these worlds. We'll give them the null zone or whatever. These thousand planets. But then it's like, oh, so you're going to let them kill a thousand planets? Yeah, it's fine. And then they're like, okay, well, I mean, come on now. Yeah. You know, it's not appeasement. You know, (laughs) I'm not going to like be like, yes, appeasement was fine. But like, I mean, you got where Chamberlain was coming from, at least. I mean, in retrospect, yes, Churchill was right. But at the time, given certain information, you can't say that Chamberlain's being a moron, you know. Obviously, we don't give away Poland's the Polish people, but anyway, in the broader <laughs> scheme of things, whatever you know. Yeah. Versus you know, if you're really afraid that you're about to be invaded, and you know, blah blah blah. Well, and but here we're know, like, yeah, a thousand worlds are just going to get killed. That's fine. You're like, no, that's not as fine. Then you can you can bring it back to you know, oh yeah, it's fine for Russia to take Ukraine. Yes. It's fine. It's fine. The Crimea. It's or the, the, the crime. Oh, yeah. he wants the Crimea as yeah. well. No, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, and and I don't think that, but we don't get to delve into the moral dilemma of this, really, yeah, that, uh, like, which that, I think is a shame. Because that's when you get into the philosophical justifications of war, where, and I think we would all agree that war, the doctor, in any of his forms, or her forms, uh, is not pacifistic. That's the... That's the, the the party line, but that's not the reality. I mean, yeah. you know. The body count suggests otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, four piece, but, you know, and, and doesn't carry a weapon mostly, you know. But, um, yeah. Yeah. But, but the philosophy of war of that, you know, there it is. It's it's if the cost is doing this or the aggression is doing that, what must be the counter move, you know. And, again, it's hard with the Daleks because the Daleks are always bad and they're always killing people. So you, could always, you always fight the Daleks. And, you know. They are exclusively bad. Right. Like, except for the one in the tower for the Twelfth Doctor, they're all bad. Yeah, but he that Dalek was bad for the Daleks. You know, yes. So it's just yeah. a yeah. different target. Whereas, you know, at the risk of, and please understand that I'm not defending Nazis. Yeah, that is not a thing I'm doing. I already argued pro-appeasement, so you <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, you know... And and again, here's where the moral dilemma comes in. You know, if you get rid of Hitler, the one, right? What then? Hydra. Can you <laughs> kill one head a thousand with lays? Hydra. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway. yeah, boy, you're taking an interesting <laughs> line in this. Um, but you know, and, yes. and 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 I don't know the answer to you know the yeah. answer is not. Oh, you kill Hitler, and everybody else is like, bah, we cool now. We're not racist. We don't need <laughs> Poland. We love Jews. Everybody out. That's not what happens, obviously. But then, you know, this is where Goring you get... opens up a marketplace instead. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, you know. Eatsy shop. You, <laughs> yeah, know, you know, it's fun. <laughs> so, yeah, looking at 
the baselines and where we get to where, you know, and then you got to go back to World War One. and yeah. I know we've gone completely off the piss, <laughs> but, you know, that sort of idea of, of how do how do people get to where they are? Hitler aside, you know, the charismatic leader riles them up and pulls them all together into a base of sorts. Mm-hmm. But all of those people had to get to where they are. Mm-hmm. There's a journey there that we need to at least acknowledge in order to figure out how to not let it happen again, mm-hmm. or at least try. And we don't see that. And by the same token, I think, um, and I don't know if this is the first War Doctor series, yes. um, we don't get to see that with him. Right. Either and and we may later they would they may take us back but but we don't all we see now is war doctor now I'm war doctor don't call me by doctor mm-hmm. um, I'm John Smith don't call me doctor I'm fighting everybody's bad we're gonna annihilate all of the Daleks and so we don't see where he his journey mm-hmm. looked like to get him to that because the suggestion at the end you know spoiler alert I guess. Uh, the suggestion at the end is that because, and he says this explicitly, because he's on the same side as Cardinal What's-Her-Name, um, who is also the kind of villain, I don't know, mm. kind of villain, who's the kind of villain um, of the Time Lords, um, and he's like, well, I guess we're on the same side, you know, and so it's like, oh, this is a different Doctor, because they're not coming at it from the same angle, but they're on the same side of we should fight, um, versus, you know, Saratrix, who we should not fight. But. And I feel like there's a lot of middle ground that wasn't covered, yeah. including, like I say, the Doctor's journey. We don't see him get to this place. I want to know how the Time War started. Mm-hmm. I want to know. <laughs> so a rogue Dalek <laughs> fell in love oh. with a rogue Gallifreyan. Are you going to do Romeo and Juliet as... I was thinking more West Side Story, oh. but okay. Which is really I mean, yeah. The same I mean, thing. if you want to, <laughs> Hatfields and McCoys, it is a tale as old as time. Helena I'm actually Troy? doing Beauty and the Beast. Oh, there we go. <laughs> um, I mean, to be fair, Helen of Troy's a little bit different. She was totally married already. Paris should have kept his hands to himself. I'm now I'm imagining gonna... a Dalek as Helen of Troy <laughs> with, with the long hair. <laughs> <laughs> Just on top. I am beautiful. <laughs> I just want to hear Nick Briggs do that now. <laughs> Once again, we seem to have gone slightly <laughs> off topic. Trojan horse is a really big Dalek. Yeah. With other Daleks inside. Um, no, I understood. I've, <laughs> I've read the book. Spoilers. I don't know who. Would the doctor be Achilles or someone else? I don't know. Mm. Ooh, there's a question. Or would he be, um, who's the Roman? Well, who ends up being the Roman? Aeneas? Yes. Oh, okay. Because he has this very tiny whim. He has the uh, the child leading, the father on his oh, back, yeah. and the yeah. future, and, you know, it's really just and the And that's all the modern doctor stuff, yeah, is yeah, the maybe. child and the old man. And but anyway. The founding of Rome. Is that how, ultimately, <laughs> Doctor Who's going to end with the founding of Rome? I think so. Yeah, I don't see why not. Not this again. Just a final but. I mean, Sorry, guys. <laughs> it, not that it wasn't enjoyable. Well, it, it wasn't bad. I can say that. It wasn't bad. Sometimes it was a little mucky, as you can say. Um, audio is hard. I admit that. You know, so mm. it's hard to be always have an engagement because it's all audio, right? There's nothing you can see, and there's it's a painting the pictures, especially when it's a lot of war and a lot of battle and a lot of fighting. Sometimes hard to paint that picture in audio, and I'm not saying they didn't do their best, but um, there were some times where things were just like, I'm not really sure what's happening or who these characters are, but anyway. But yeah, just having the Keska and Rejoice being like the good guys and the innocents. Yeah. And the Trailings being the bad guys, and the, you know, and so it's sort of all very. Yeah. Uh, I do sort of wonder, though, mm. listening to the extras with this, uh-huh. if the lady who played Older Rejoice... Caroline Seymour. 
totally shagged. John Hurt at some time? Yeah. Yes, there. That totally, her interview totally <laughs> made that sound like it happened, right? We had some good times. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just picturing her smoking a cigarette after all this. You know. anyway, anyway, again, we digress. Yes. Um, let's move on to our, our uh, somewhat completed Eighth Doctor story and continuing our Eighth Doctor run. Yep. Uh, Seasons of Fear. Mm-hmm. Want to do that synopsis there? I do. On New Year's Eve, 1930, the Doctor lets Charlie keep her appointment at the Raffles Hotel in Singapore. But his unease at what he's done to time by saving her life soon turns into fear. Sebastian Grail, immortal, obsessed, ruthless, has come to the city to meet the Time Lord. To the Doctor, he's a complete stranger, but to Grail, the Doctor is an old enemy. An enemy that, many years ago, he finally succeeded in killing. And this is his only chance to gloat. The Doctor and Charlie desperately search human history for the secret of Grail's power and immortality. Their quest takes in four different time periods. The Hellfire Club, the Court of Edward the Confessor, and the Time Vortex itself. And when the monsters arrive, the stakes are raised from the life of one Time Lord to the existence of all humanity. So we've not gotten to the Time Vortex part. We have not. (laughs) But we did do Hellfire Club and Edward the Confessor. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, we were in ancient Rome. Oh, no, we were in ancient England with the Romans in there. That's true. So they were talking about Londinium. Yes. And, yeah. That was the first place. No, no, so, so that's where we ended up. Yeah, that's where they started. I, did we actually, have we actually done the Hellfire Club? Yes, that was, um, we did. Okay. That was, yes, I'm sorry. I'm thinking as I'm talking, it's always dangerous. We did. Because um, it sort of started off with Londinium. Because uh-huh. he was the Roman, Gale, this, Gale, whatever. Uh, yep. Which, by the way, Grail, I get it. I get what you're doing with the name. <laughs> Immortality. I got it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, got, I got it, too. You didn't have to. But, uh, you know, I, yeah, you're, you're great, guys. Um, but anyway. Um, <laughs> All right, snarky. <laughs> but with the... Uh, and then we went to... Um, Edward the Confessor. Edward the Confessor, which I Because there's like a 750... Yeah. I forget. There's like a 750 yeah. jump every yeah. time. And so they would find out the next time. And it was... Um, the, the concept... That the the guy just comes up to Doctor and be like, ha ha, this is a fake timeline. And, and I killed you, ha ha. And the Doctor's like, oh, I'll take your word for it. I'm like, what? Just some guy just comes up to you? And, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get that he knows who you are, and that's weird. <laughs> there are a lot of things maybe you should verify. <laughs> and Charlie, we're in great danger. I'm like, are you though? I don't know. And it's the grandfather, or it's the relative yeah, of, of the guy of that her. Charlie's was supposed to meet, yeah. which I still don't know a whole lot about. Yeah, it's it's it was a tenuous beginning, but yes. whatever. Yeah. It, it kicked it off, and that's all it was there for. Yep. Um, so, yeah, what, what did you think of the Doctor and Charlie's continuing adventures? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I particularly liked the uh, Edward the Confessor bit. Mm-hmm. And, because uh, I don't know a lot about, but his wife, Edith? Edith sounds right. The queen. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was very... I just enjoyed it because, first of all, Edward and Edith seemed to be quite delightful together. Very Macbeth and Lady Macbeth. Yeah. Um, and the idea that the doctor left her at the altar and she's, she's, so she's pissed about that. Because right. I totally think that's a doctor thing to do. <laughs> Let's be honest. It's not the first or the last. Uh-uh. He's done to a queen. Uh-huh. Exactly. So that bit, I, I'm unclear about the whole grail thing and guy and... Because he's semi-immortal. Yeah, and the monsters are still being very kept very secret. And I get the impression it's not a monster. Like, it's not... I don't expect it to end up being like the Daleks or something. No. Because as far as I know, they don't have that capability. And so it's all just very murky. And... <laughs> I mean, they kind of and put... Charlie's got a sword that I feel like is going to make a play somewhere. Yeah, they don't show the sword and whatever, and then uh, yeah, whatever. yeah, don't show don't show the sword because she gets the sword in, in the first well, one. In, in yeah, Britannia. Whatever. Yeah, so yeah, don't show a sword, and they keep bringing it up. Right, um, it's in the attic, and uh, he doesn't want her to carry it, and yeah, that's obviously going to make a play, and and so maybe we need to finish it. For me to have any solid opinion on whether or not this all works. At mm-hmm. the minute, I'm suspicious. <laughs> as, as you should always be. Yeah. Um, what do we think about... Well, two things, I think. One, they've sort of lampshade <laughs> that Grail gets away every episode. Mm. 
um, where the Charlie's like, can't we just like shoot him or something? And he's like, nah, he's swimming away. He'll be fine. Like, ah. And she's like, really? Can we just like uh, hang him or something or burn him alive? Or I mean, I'm not saying, but I'm saying. Yeah. She's <laughs> like, I'm only suggesting this because I know you're going to say no to it. But seriously, yo. Let's kill him. Yeah. Um, and he's Which like, seems like a reasonable, I mean, again, I know we're not at the war doctor yet, but. If the fate of the time itself, Charlie's not, not wrong. No. I mean, at least tie him up or something. Maybe not let him get away every time. Yes. Yeah. You know, tie him up. See you next time. I <laughs> mm. uh, will just search, you know, we'll Google 750. Years yeah, and, and he continues to grow in power. So this yeah. is something we should probably take into account when mm-hmm. we're letting him go every time. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. We'll see. Right. Ask me when it's over. Mm-hmm. I will. Okay. I'll turn to you and be like, so, so. now that it's over. <laughs> um, and then what do you think of the continuing mystery? Uh, well, I say mystery of Charlie being torn or rescued from time. Yeah, I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Again. Because there's a lot of hinting at it, but I'm not seeing anything. Like there aren't any big cracks in a wall or right. anything. I like how they're sort of. Like, it may have nothing, because again, we haven't finished it, but it may have nothing to do with it, which is fine, but I do like how they sort of poke it with a stick, and Charlie's like, are you sure this isn't, uh, probably not, probably not, maybe, probably not that. <laughs> It'll be fine, it'll be fine. <laughs> what happened to Growl? Oh, there he goes. Yeah, yeah uh, no, I don't know. Yeah, so anyway. For our next episode, I thought we would continue in the 12th Doctor episode review range, and maybe it's a little lazy to do episode reviews of the 12th Doctor, but I just like seeing him at his best. We could talk about, like, Robin Hood episode, but why would we? And so, but instead of going with a, uh, though you could argue that our uh, Heaven Sent is really a two-parter with Hellbent, but we're going to talk about one of your favorite Uh 12th Doctor episodes, and those are which two? The Zygon Invasion and the Zygon Inversion. So a actual sequel to the 50th anniversary, if you will, Mm -hmm. Uh, Day of the Doctor with the Zygons, and so we'll be talking about that next time and how the 12th Doctor um, and Clara... Mm-hmm. Uh, how they once again do that and see what goes from there. Yep, I'm excited. Thanks, as always, to Wally and the Sonnenauts for providing us with their jazz Doctor Who theme tune. And until next week, enjoy the Doctor's many adventures throughout time, time and, and space. This is BBC Television.